Well, welcome in everybody. Let's let's stop dilly dallying here while I'm vamping to get things set up. Welcome into this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Darren and Andrew, happy to be with you. And as you heard, Andrew's on, so you know you're going to get some NBA, our bi-weekly NBA update. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit of college football, most of the playoff ranking. But the big creme de la creme of this week's show, episode 34, by the way, is going to be the NFL, kind of the mid-season report on the NFL and looking at the winners and losers of the season so far and talk about something that hits close to home for Andrew, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Starting here, I would like to ask you a question, sir. The Titans or the Cardinals, question mark? Are these truly the two best teams in the league right now? I was ready to give up on the Titans once Derrick Henry went down, and here they come out and not missing a beat with the timeless Adrian Peterson. Are we really buying the Titans and Cardinals? No, absolutely not. Um I'm not buying the Cardinals as the best team in the NFC even. So um, I know that's what the records say, what the records state, but I would still state that the Packers are the best team in the NFL. I know that that's going to sound like a biased opinion, but uh, Green Bay went into Arizona and won that game um, down a few receivers. Green Bay, when they get back to full strength, that's the most uh, well-balanced on both sides of the ball team. So that's the actual best team in the NFL. Um, the Titans have beat the Rams, but uh, the Packers have beat the Cardinals, who I think are a legit contender, still a good team. Um, but I, I think it's really uh, down to the Green Bay Packers, so I'm not buying the Titans or the Cardinals at all. I know that's what the records say, but that's I'm not uh, I'm not rolling with that. So. so I have some playoff statistics we can get to here in a minute, but – I'll start with the NFC going with your jumping off point. I feel like the NFC is five really good teams and a bunch of everybody else, whereas the AFC feels a lot more wide open right now. I think you've got the Cowboys, the Packers, the Bucks, Cardinals, and the Rams. I think it's a five-horse race between them. I'm kind of leading towards the Rams being the best team. If I had to put somebody in the, the long-term picture, I'd say the Rams or the Buccaneers would be my choice. Dallas is Dallas. It's just really hard to trust them ever. But yeah. the, uh, the, the same with the Cardinals. I'm The Cardinals are unproven. I would love to see what they can do. Uh, your your Packers are whatever mood Aaron Rodgers is in this week. And then I feel like the Rams and the Bucks, you kind of know what you have, what you can get from both of them. So it feels easier to trust them. I, I would uh, – I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, however, I will say that the defense of the Green Bay Packers has been surprisingly good um, and significantly improved over last season. They don't even have everyone available and healthy to them. Uh, they'll get Jair Alexander back. They'll get Zadaria Smith back. They just activated Bakhtiari um, back from injury as well. And Aaron Rodgers, other than the exception of week one, has played brilliantly and masterfully, and, and he was out against the Chiefs as well. But um, I think there's a lot to be hopeful about when it comes to uh, Green Bay's defense, and you already know what you're going to get from the offense. There's rumors of Odell Beckham, um, which I, I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point later, but I think uh, – Green Bay is the most well-rounded, most well-balanced team, and they're the team to beat in the NFC. And I really look at it as as four teams in the NFC. Um, I don't trust Dallas like some people do. I think it's uh, Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals. Those are the four who are really battling it out. And in my mind, those are the four who are really battling to win it all because I think those are legitimately the four best teams in the NFL. Do we know what we're getting from the Packers, though? If we don't know who's playing quarterback this week and what conspiracy theory he's going to have. (laughs) I won't go so far as to call Aaron Rodgers a conspiracy theorist. He has some uh, beliefs, his own beliefs. Um, I I won't go out on that limb and call him a conspiracy theorist, but uh, I I will say that um, if he's in the lineup, if he's playing quarterback, uh, the Packers should be the favorite. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be a week or two bump in the row, but I think they'll be fine in the long term, at least in contention. And this is getting back to that having the one wild card spot. I don't, 
I would be really scared to not get that top spot, which Arizona has right now. I suppose we should clarify. Arizona's eight and one. The Packers and Rams both seven and two. And then the Bucks and the Cowboys both six and two. If you're not getting that top spot and you have to go on the road and you have to get through all of these teams, that is a gauntlet for any team to get through. And I think it's interesting. Nobody's talking about Tampa. Maybe we're just kind of used to them, but they're scoring like crazy. They're playing out of their minds. They had kind of surprising loss this last week, but it feels like nobody's paying attention to Tampa. The other four teams, everybody's kind of into, but nobody's paying attention to the Buccaneers. But if you're one of these teams, I absolutely want that number one overall seed. I think it's nice that people have that incentive on the line. So it's kind of tougher to rest guys. You really want to play every single week to go for that top spot. Cause if you're that three, four, or five, you've got quite the trek to even get to the Super Bowl, let alone win. Yeah, you're right. Um, that fifth seed, that's going to be brutal. That's uh, the Rams right now. Uh, the Cowboys will benefit a little bit from uh, being the division winner. They are going to win the division, um, pending something completely unforeseen. Uh, but you're right. For that, that five seed team that's going to be on the road, if they make a deep run, they got to go on the road to some really tough environments. And uh, I'm not sure whoever of the four teams that we've mentioned previously, I would say the least likely team to win it all will be whoever gets that ends up in that fifth spot. And I think that'll be the Rams or the, that'll be the Rams or the Cardinals loser. That won't be the the Packers um, obviously because they'll have won their division. Um, the NFC North is really down. So it's really down to Rams or Cardinals for that fifth spot. And I want to take that point a little bit further. Like you mentioned there, the NFC East, as everybody kind of expected this year, Dallas head and shoulders above everybody else. Everybody else is terrible. Uh, The NFC North kind of surprisingly bad. We knew the Lions would struggle. They're doing their best to get the number one overall draft pick. The bears, we kind of expected them to be in the situation. I don't know if we expect them to lose four in a row, but when you're getting Justin Fields ready, you know, it's going to be a tough season with the rookie Minnesota, hugely disappointing so far after they lost to Cooper rush and the Cowboys, not Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I've tried to believe in this Vikings team as much as anybody else. And they've absolutely let me down and things seem to be getting worse for the Vikings as the year goes along. So they're basically out of it. So you have green Bay and Dallas kind of cakewalking. The South could be interesting. The Panthers, as we've discussed, the wheels have completely come off after their fun 3-0 start. They're 1-5 since then. The Falcons are quietly 4-4, four and four, which may not sound like much, but to beat the Buccaneers and my beloved Matt Ryan doing quite well. So sitting there at 500, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but I think they could be in the hunt late. And then the Saints have way exceeded my expectations. Their defense is fantastic. Kamara's fantastic, the offensive line. We didn't know what we'd have in the quarterback situation. And now that you're picking between guys like Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, I think the Saints, for as great as they've started out 5-3, and three, I think they're kind of on the downhill slide now, and Tampa's going to run away with the South. I think the West is the one that's very interesting, which shouldn't come as any surprise. We've all thought this may be the best division in football. I think the Cardinals and Rams are for sure in the playoffs. People seem to really be jumping ship on the Niners, and I can't say I blame them, but it's the Seattle Seahawks are the team that I'm really curious about if they can sneak into the playoffs. They're supposedly going to get Russell Wilson back this week. If it's this week or next week, Chris Carson also going to be coming back within the next couple of weeks, we think. But they're on the outside looking in right now. But we've got our top five we mentioned, and then the Saints and the Falcons in those playoff spots right now. I don't know that I trust both New Orleans and Atlanta to make it. I think if anybody's going to vault in there, maybe a sacrificial lamb for the first round against a Green Bay or somebody like that. But I think Seattle could be the sneaky team on the outside looking in who makes the second half rally. Definitely. Um, It depends on uh, when Russell Wilson comes back and how he looks when he comes back. Uh, he there he's going to play this week, I think. Uh, but we'll see how he looks against Green Bay in Lambeau, which has been a house of horrors for him, actually, um, over the last few years. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how Russell Wilson looks. You're right. If there's anybody outside of the playoffs that I think could sneak in, it's Seattle. I don't have any faith in Carolina, Minnesota, San Francisco, Philly, the Giants, the Bears. None of those teams really inspire much confidence for me. So I think you're spot on with that one. And jumping over to the AFC here quick, you mentioned you don't trust the Titans, but I would agree. This feels very wide open. I think the bills have been a bit of a disappointment. The chiefs of course have been a disappointment. Uh, Baltimore, I think is kind of what we expected. The chargers is what we expected. 
the Raiders, in spite of every obstacle thrown at them this season, are somehow in there uh, in the playoff race. But you're one through seven right now. You'd have the Titans at one, Baltimore two, the Chargers three, Bills four, Raiders five, the Steelers and Patriots at six and seven. So some of these teams we expected, like the Chiefs and the Browns, I would even say the Colts on the outside looking in, Miami's completely out of it. So you don't like the Titans. Who is your who's your AFC favorite at the moment? As disappointing as they've been, I'm still going to roll with the Bills. I think in a playoff setting when the lights are on, um, that's who we're gonna we're gonna get good Josh Allen. And I'm gonna put my faith and my trust in Josh Allen over Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson or, or Justin Herbert. So I think it's really just going to be the team with the best quarterback. And to me, that's uh, Josh Allen. Uh, he was my MVP prediction coming into the season. I don't know. He could have a second half rally. We saw last year, Russell Wilson was the MVP through the first half of the season. And then it didn't end up mattering. I think maybe Tom Brady would almost be your favorite right now, but that's because the Buccaneers throw a thousand times a game. Uh, we'll start out, we'll kind of do this one in reverse, division by division. So you've got the East, which is unsurprisingly, well, the Dolphins may be a bit of a surprise, but the Jets are at the bottom, the Bills are at the top, but the Bills and the Patriots both tied with five wins apiece right now. And then the Dolphins, I don't know if we, does anybody believe that the Dolphins can rally and make a playoff push here? you got the Bills and the Patriots competing. The Patriots won three in a row, and Mac Jones looks like the best rookie quarterback so far. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I believe I said before the season that uh, Mac Jones was a good outside bet for rookie of the year. And I, I think that's kind of looking good um, in some regards. Jamar Chase uh, definitely could be considered the front runner as well. But uh, if you're going to give it to one of the rookie quarterbacks, I think it's got to be Mac Jones. He's been the most impressive of all the rookie quarterbacks so far. Not bold um, enough. Not bold enough to say the Patriots are going to win the division, though. I'm not bold enough at this point to say the Patriots are going to win the division. No, um, haven't looked too deep into their schedule, but I'm just pulling it up here. They got Browns, Titans, the Bills twice, um, the Falcons, who could be sneaky good, the Colts, who could be fighting for some playoff positioning, possibly trying to sneak in as a wild card team on their own as well. A lot of tough games coming up. I, I think the Patriots might make the playoffs as a wild card, um, but I'm not going to pick them to win the division. I think that's still going to beat the Buffalo Bills. I would I would agree with you on that. And sorry, I think I picked the Patriots as a wild card team. It's just hard to bet against Bill Belichick being that bad two years in a row. I don't love Mac Jones yet, but if you can at least get him to ten and seven, that may get him in. We'll come we'll come back to the North. I think that's our most intriguing division here. Uh, good on to the South, where you have I would say the worst team in the NFL, Houston Texans, and the Jaguars not far behind them, who inexplicably beat the Bills. And then you have the Colts. I don't know what to make of the Colts. I don't they're I don't think they're a playoff team if they don't win the division. But that's because after Derrick Henry went down, I thought, oh man, I'm ready to jump off this Titans bandwagon. There's no way they're going to have a chance without the best running back in football. And all they did is come out guns blazing. They've won five in a row. They're playing out of their minds. Defense not fantastic, but the offense has been amazing. Any any chance the Colts can rally here and make a second half push really through their ability or through attrition with the Titans, which, which would be more likely. I think it's more through attrition through uh, current wildcard teams like the Raiders and the Steelers falling off. Um, I think that's more likely the path for the Colts is to get in as a wildcard team. Um, having uh, one of the current wildcard teams falling off. Um, the Chiefs don't inspire a lot of confidence. They're five and four, uh, but man, their offense has a lot of issues and uh, their defense has shown a lot of issues too. So I'm not sure I believe in the Chiefs um, really that much. And I think that's kind of the path for for the Colts is to hope that they can somehow sneak in as a wild card because I think uh, the Titans, for all intents and purposes, have that division on lock. Even without Derrick Henry, I think they're still locked to win that division. If it were a tougher division, I wouldn't be so confident, but the four and five Colts look like the biggest threat, and their defense has not been as explosive as I expected, and then Carson Wentz can never quite trust the health there. Jonathan Taylor looks awesome, and 
there's some pieces there to like, but I cannot trust the Colts, so I agree with you. I think the Titans hold on really by virtue of being in the South. Let's jump over to the West, where we have a whole bunch of five-win teams. So currently the Chargers would be your division winner. They are five and three. The Raiders would also be in the playoffs at five and three, which leaves you with the Chiefs and the Broncos at five and four. Everybody kind of forgot about the Broncos. They started off so hot, lost several games, and then won again this last week to kind of get back in the middle of things. So this is what we talk about. The AFC seemingly be a lot more wide open that there's almost 12 teams legitimately in the playoff hunt here and division contender hunt. So what do we make of the West? Is everybody good? Is nobody good? I am going to hesitate to call the Broncos and the Chiefs good teams at this point. I think those are actually two poor teams. Um, I would say... The Raiders can sometimes be average. I, I would say they're average. Um, I think the Chargers are a good to pretty good team that's going to end up winning this division here. I just I just don't have a whole lot of faith in the other three teams in this division. I know what the records say, but I don't believe in them. I just I don't know how the Raiders are doing it. It's impressive that they're hanging in this thing, but. If all the slings and arrows, all the harrowing experiences this team has had to face, if they can keep it together, I will be stunned and really surprised by them. The Broncos, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like some of the wide receivers. Cortland Sutton's quietly having a great year. They do have the second-best scoring defense, which is really going to help in this league, but I don't know that they have any type of offense that's really going to last 17 games. So it's hard for me to trust the Broncos or the Raiders. I think the Chiefs are going to figure something out. I still think they're going to miss the playoffs. That was my bold harebrained scheme prediction at the beginning of the year. But I think they'll be in there until about week 17 and then lose and just barely miss out. So as good as this division is, I still think they could end up with only one team in the playoffs because these, I think they'll fall by the wayside. Which the Chargers have done their best to really be terrible the last couple of weeks. I have no idea what has happened to this team. They have stopped playing defense and really falling down to middle of the pack, maybe even lower than halfway on the uh, when you look at yards and scoring. The offense, not fantastic, but at least showing a little bit more of a pulse. I, I trust the Chargers. I think they'll get it right. I think Justin Herbert is the real deal. I think they've made a lot of investments uh, along the offensive and defensive line that will pay off. Plus, if Derwin James is healthy and on the field, you have one of the biggest game changers in your secondary. So I like the Chargers to come out of the West. It'll be a, one of the most fun races. I think a lot of these teams are very, very evenly matched. Yeah, it will be a, a good race. Uh, the Chargers, you mentioned them. They, they kind of have a get-right spot. They get to play the Vikings at home. And uh, if your offense is doing poorly, just play the Minnesota Vikings. You'll uh, you'll score some points. So, yeah, um, yeah they, they'll need to get some things corrected for sure. All these teams are flawed, and it, it is going to be a fun race. I think it's, uh, you know, first to 10 wins kind of wins that division, and I think that'll be the Chargers. All right. We saved it for last, the best for last, which feels weird to say. The AFC North, if it's not the NFC West, I think the AFC North has a claim for the best division in football. You have the Ravens, who I refuse to admit are good, but look really good. The Steelers quietly won four straight. They're five and three right now. You know the Steelers are always going to be in the hunts. And then you have Cleveland and Cincinnati, both five and four. And addition by subtraction for the Browns, they lose OBJ, and then they come out and crush Cincinnati this week. So they're five and four. Cincinnati, the shine seems to be a little bit off. We thought they were a pleasant surprise early in the year. And I feel like you at one point said, wait for the wheels to fall off this thing. Maybe that wasn't you, but I'm going to give you credit for it. The Bengals have lost two in a row. So before we get into the North, you hinted at it earlier. Let's play the OBJ free agency carousel. Where do you see Mr. Beckham Jr. going? Or who are your top candidates, I guess, if you don't have a single team? Well, the, the word, uh, the rumor is Packers, Saints, and Chiefs is what he's down to with the Pats thrown in there. I guess those are the top four. Um, I think it's one of the Packers, Saints, or Pats that he's going to end up on. I just have this feeling that he's going to end up going to New Orleans. Uh, they're very wide receiver needy. Um, he went to LSU. That's home for OBJ. Uh, being back in New Orleans, I think he's going to get a, plenty of targets because they're really, they really need a wide receiver and he can be the legitimate number one receiver there. 
with Michael Thomas seemingly out for the season. He'll go there for half a season and then hit free agency next year. And I don't know where he ends up after that, but he really wants to, he says he wants to go to a contender and I guess you can consider the saints a pseudo contender, but they're not really a contender because they've got Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I don't think they're winning the super bowl with Trevor Simeon as quarterback. And I think that's really an interesting move if OBJ does go that route, but uh, if he doesn't pick the saints, then I think he he shocks us all and goes to Green Bay for the veterans minimum. Yeah, I I think you make a lot of great points. The LSU connection, I get that with the Saints, but I think he is he's a short term rental. He's a mercenary. I think he's ring chasing at this point in time. I like the idea of the Chiefs and Packers. The two other teams I would throw in would be the Ravens and the Rams because he's going to go to a contender, which I think rules the Saints out as good as they've been. I don't think they can hang on. The Chiefs need help. They need weapons. And I think OBJ needs to go to work with a quarterback that he can fall in line with. I don't know that he respected and got along with Baker. Even kind of the same with Eli, what Eli accomplished. I don't know that they really clicked. So that's why I think you need a strong, established quarterback. So you get Mahomes or you get Aaron Rodgers. Stafford, maybe not so much, but I think between Stafford and McVay, they could keep OBJ happy. I think Lamar Jackson, he could fall in line with as well. Plus, you go to the Ravens, you can get a chance to beat up on the Browns. I, I love the fit with the Ravens. I think they need wide receiver help. They've got the young guys, uh, Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace, the other one, blanking on the other name. They have young receivers, but they need an established number one, and I think OBJ would love to be the number one on the contender, get all the stats, get all the targets. So I think if, if, I, if I were running things, I would go Ravens one, Chiefs two, and your beloved Packers at three, but I think all of them make sense with the established quarterback on a contender. Uh, I think it's interesting the Buccaneers have come out and said, nope, not interested. So people said, oh, you know, that's Tom Brady's thing. Go rescue these veterans and bring them in. And they've outright said, you know, we're, we're good. We're well-stocked. One diva wide receiver is enough for us. Yeah, um, I, I get what you're saying. I think uh, Green Bay holds a significant lead over Rams or Ravens or, or any Chiefs or any other team that you mentioned there. Um, let's give Matt LaFleur some credit. We all think of Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan as brilliant offensive minds, but uh, Matt LaFleur is also um, a pretty good offensive mind as well. He's schemed a lot of good things up there in green Bay. And, and I think he'd find a way to fit OBJ in perfectly. He'd obviously be the second best wide receiver there. And he'd, he'd fill that role opposite Devonte Adams, but I think he'd find plenty of success. I mean, there's, plenty of videos that have surfaced of uh, OBJ just running wide open and Baker just completely missing him or uh, Baker not throwing him the ball or, or whatever's going on. But if you're open, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to get you the ball. And so he's going to get plenty of opportunities. And I think it's, it's really all about rehabbing his image and boosting his value to hit free agency next off season and see if someone will pay him. That's not going to be green Bay, but uh, I, I think he could go ahead and, uh, win a Super Bowl. If he's truly serious about contending, I think he needs to find his way up to Lambeau. Well, that was going to be my exact question is, would OBJ want to be the number two? Because Devontae Adams is clearly going to be the number one for Aaron Rodgers. Could OBJ be happy as the number two, or is there just enough volume in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers that there's enough to go around for two guys, a la Tannehill with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, something like that? That's what would also concern me the Chiefs and the Rams are kind of set, you know, with Tyree Kill and then Cooper Cup. If you haven't looked at Cooper Cup's numbers, I think he may be the top receiver in the NFL this year. He and Matt Stafford are apparently Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. But that's that's why I think the where the Ravens would have an advantage. You get to instantly come in and be the top guy. These other places, he would be the number two option. Yeah. Um it's an interesting point because I do think he would be number one. In New Orleans, he'd be number one for the Ravens. Uh, he'd be number two on the Chiefs. And I think he'd actually maybe in some regards be kind of like a number three for the Rams because uh, we can't forget about Robert Woods. We can't just throw him out the window. So um, I, I think uh, he's going to have to accept the fact that if he wants to play on a contender, he's probably going to end up in the number two spot. The Ravens, I'm not sold on them defensively that they're good enough to truly contend for the title this year. So I'm not sure that getting OBJ fixes things. And also 
they do still want to be kind of a run heavy team. Um, whatever that looks like, whether they're running Devonta Freeman or Le'Veon Bell or Tyson Williams or, or whoever, or Lamar Jackson, obviously, but they do still kind of want to be that run heavy team. They've got a good thing going with Bateman and Marquise Brown. I think, I think they just kind of keep that going and they keep that continuity. Um, there's a lot of rumors that OBJ really respects and um, loves a, uh, Aaron Rodgers, so I think that's kind of the number two choice if uh, he doesn't go to the Saints. That's, that's just where I'm at. Plot twists, all LSU offense for the Bengals. They've already got Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I know they didn't all play together, but add OBJ to his fellow Bayou Bengals. That would be extremely interesting, but again, we've already got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Not sure where OBJ fits in that pecking order, but it's probably not number one that would still be Jamar Chase. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. It's kind of been uh, drug out a little bit too long. Uh, I wish he'd just go ahead and make a decision, but yeah. uh, we'll see. I did not think we would get to talk about it on this week's show. I thought it would be resolved by the time we got on the air and we'd be analyzing the results, but gave us something to talk about. Absolutely. Now, as for football in the AFC North, which we have not done, I, a phenomenal division so far, as we mentioned, the Bengals being a surprise. I, I, I don't want to believe in the Ravens, even though I probably should. I feel like this could be a three-team playoff division. Right now, they have one, two, three, four, five. So right now, they are two teams with the Ravens and the Steelers. But I think if the Raiders fall out, I think you're going to have the Chiefs. I think the I think the Chiefs and Browns will be competing for those playoff spots. I think the Bengals will fall by the wayside. But how do you actually see the, the actual on-field football in the AFC North shaking out? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's very interesting to me. Uh, I haven't done a very in-depth look at, at schedules or anything like that. Um, but the Ravens play the Browns twice. They play the Packers. They play the Rams. Uh, that's kind of a tough gauntlet there for the Ravens. Uh, they have to go to the Steelers as well, to the Bengals. Um, I think that's a very interesting uh, schedule there for the Ravens. I haven't really ruled out the possibility of the Browns coming back and actually winning the division and the Ravens getting bumped back <clears throat> down to the wild card. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, so I uh, – I think that's what, what I'm going to roll with. And what I, what I think is going to happen here is that the Ravens are going to take a couple hits, take a couple losses that they aren't um, to some good teams, no doubt. Um, non, non-divisional losses to the Packers and to the Rams, I think. And then maybe split with the Browns. And um, apparently uh, that, that could be enough, I think, the Browns also have to play the Packers, um, but they don't have to play the Rams or anything like that. They get um, the Raiders, the Lions, the Bengals, the Patriots. They have a tough game with the Patriots this week, uh, but I think they'll come out on, on top in that one. So that, to your point, um, I'm not sure about three teams from this division making the playoffs. I don't believe in the Steelers enough to say that they're going to um, confidently make it in there. I, I think you need the Raiders and, and the Patriots to really fall off for that to be a possibility. And I just don't believe that's going to happen. Give, give me the Browns to rally and when the whole thing Steelers take a wild card and the Ravens and Bengals are sitting at home. Yeah. And I think, um, Ooh, the Ravens and the Bengals sitting at home? No, I, I, I yep. can't, I can't endorse that. Um, not with the way Lamar Jackson is playing. I actually saw on Twitter today he's on pace for like 4,600 passing yards and, and 1,300 rushing yards, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, I don't think he's going to keep that pace up exactly, but he's on a, a similar pace to when he won MVP. So I think uh, 
I think the Ravens are definitely making the playoffs. I just think it's as a wild card team and not as the division winner. I think that's eventually going to be the Browns. Well, we do have a couple postseason statistics that I went through and looked at the last three years of the playoffs. As a reminder, last year was our first year with 14 teams in the playoffs. We had in the 2019-2018, we were at our traditional 12. So only one team, so up through week nine, only one team with six or more wins has missed the playoffs in the last three years. That was the 2018 Panthers, for what it's worth. They were 6-2 and and missed the playoffs. So that being said, as much as it contradicts what I just said in my heart, the math tells me the Titans, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys are all basically safe to be in the playoffs. Seven of those 38 teams were 500 or worse and made the playoffs, including the WFTs, who were 2-6 and six last year, made the playoffs. 2019, you had the 4-5 and five Titans. 2018, you had the 4-5 and five Ravens. The Colts were 3-5. and five, The Cowboys were 3-5. and five, The Seahawks and the Eagles were 4-4. Four and four. Uh, So I'm not sure what all this means, but I think the lesson is, really, as long as your team is still playing through Week 9, and yes, I get we have the longer schedule this year, so it does tweak things a little bit, but really, every team is almost still alive in this thing. If you can have a team that was two and six rally and make the playoffs. So really, everybody except the Texans and the Lions can still make the playoffs. Some of these teams can rally. Uh, there's five and three teams that can very easily fall by the wayside. It happened several times. The Raiders, the Dolphins, and Cardinals, Cardinals were all five and three last year and missed. The Cowboys, the Colts, and the Panthers the year before. The Panthers are really good at starting hot and missing the playoffs. And then in 2018, you had five teams that were five and three or better and all missed the playoffs. So a lot can change here in the regular season. I know we want to declare teams dead, declare teams the best in the league, but midway point, we really don't know that much. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, That's some really good research um, and things, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go out on any limbs and uh, take any of those two and six or three and six or three and five teams to, go ahead and make the playoffs. I'm, uh, I'm going to say uh, we confidently kind of know, we don't know that much, but we also kind of know who uh, the division win- division winners are with the exception of maybe the AFC North, maybe the NFC West. I think those are the two hotly contested divisions, but we have a good sense of who's going to compete for those. Um, it really just comes down to the wild card and really, I think the last two spots or so, the last three spots in the AFC and the last two spots in the NFC are, are just kind of up in the air amongst a couple of teams, I believe. You're going to feel awful silly when the Giants make the playoffs. I will feel a little silly, but also feel really good because they'll probably end up coming to Lambeau and wild card weekend and uh, just getting steamrolled by the Packers. That would be a nice way to start. Yeah. A couple quick questions for you. I can just ask you the question or I can give you my ballot. Uh, But first question, who is your rookie of the year so far? Uh, I I think it's Jamar Chase with uh, Mac Jones um, in second. I think it's really just been surprising how well uh, Jamar Chase has done. He's number two, I believe, in receiving yards behind Cooper Cup and I haven't looked exactly, but I believe he's up there as far as receiving touchdowns go as well. Actually, he's number three behind Debo Samuel, who's number two, which is is surprising in and of itself. But uh, Jamar Chase has seven touchdowns as well. I think uh, if we're going to give it to a non-quarterback for rookie of the year, this might be the year, and I think Jamar Chase could be that guy. You named four of my finalists. I had Jamar Chase, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Micah Parsons to give some love to the defensive guy with Micah Parsons playing out of his mind in Dallas. Yeah, he'll absolutely be in the conversation. I just don't see it going to a defensive player, uh, typically just an offensive player award, kind of what the MVP award has become as well. And... uh, Biggest surprise of the year, a couple of guys you just mentioned. Again, we keep Jamar Chase on the list. You have Cooper Cup, who I believe is the top receiver in the league. With We know he's been good at the Rams, but I don't think best in the league. Good leads in yards and touchdowns right now. Debo Samuel, second in yards. Jamar Chase, you just talked about. 
James Conner. James Conner is leading the league in rushing touchdowns. You can argue he's a system running back, but still, you lead in that category. Props to you. Uh, also, to represent the defense, Marcus Golden, another Cardinals guy. Harold Landry from the Titans, one of the reasons they're hanging in there. And then Trevon Diggs at the Cowboys. So those are my six nominees for the biggest surprise player of the year. Or you can go off the board if you have somebody else. Hmm. Surprise player. Really like a most improved kind of award. Like like uh, we expect Derrick Henry to put up crazy numbers. We expect Zeke Elliott or Nick Chubb or Tom Brady. But you know, somebody who's maybe not on the radar for league leader in a category. Yeah, it's a hmm. – I'm not – so sure if this is maybe a surprise but what about uh what about Derek Carr being top three in passing yards uh Joe Burrow being fifth um Carson Wentz at 10th um defensively uh man I don't want to sound like too much of a homer but what about Green Bay um Mm -hmm. being a respectable defense uh, that's not something I expected before the season. I had very low expectations, um, specifically because of their their linebacking core, which I thought was going to be an absolute mess. Um, but Devondre Campbell, who's a guy that uh, Packers picked up off of the waiver wire, has 85 tackles and is playing a lot like a first-team All-Pro, one NFC Defensive Player of the Month in October, um, it, that's been a little bit of a surprise. I, I did not expect that from Devondra Campbell coming in for the veterans minimum and making such a big contribution. So that's, uh, I think that's been a little bit of a surprise as well. I like it. You gave some credit to a non-traditional defensive player. So I will endorse your decision. All right. And our last NFL topic, unless there's anything floating around your mind, your midseason MVP. I've got my three finalists of Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray, but we can go any we can go with anybody. Yeah. Um it's gotta be uh it's Tom Brady right now. Um I think in my mind he's the leader, but uh Kyler Murray and Josh Allen aren't too far behind. When it comes to the MVP, if I had to predict who's going to win it, I think at some point uh, the Bills are going to turn it on just a little bit more, and that's going to be because of Josh Allen and how he's playing, and the wins are going to come, and they're going to maybe run away with that division and and move their way up the AFC standings. They're in fourth right now, but I think you know if they finish one or two and Josh Allen puts up some pretty good numbers – I think at some point the national media narrative is gonna is gonna push Josh Allen into winning that award. So um, I, I think we'll get a Josh Allen MVP award this season. Now, <clears throat> I would like giving it to Mr. Allen, um, but if I had to give it to somebody right now, as great as Brady's playing and putting up a thousand yards every single week, it feels like and crazy touchdowns. I would like to go with Matt Stafford. I feel like the media likes to give it to somebody new. So I could see them being interested in giving it to Stafford as kind of like a career achievement award. And Hey, sorry for all that time. You were stuck in Detroit. Now we can see what you can really do. So here's an MVP award for your efforts. So if I had to give somebody a mid season award, I would give it to Mr. Matthew Stafford. That's fair. I think um, that's kind of one of the other candidates for the, he hasn't won it before. Let's give it to him. I think that's what we're going to get this year. Anything else in your uh, NFL radar before we do a quick over analysis of the college football ranking? Uh, no, not, not currently. I mean, it's been a man. It's been a rough go in fantasy football. I don't know how you're doing, but uh, it's been a rough go for me. And uh, I only expect uh, the rest of the year to be tougher just to, Massive litany of injuries and other issues at the running back spot that are that have really just wreaked havoc on a lot of my teams um, because I went running back heavy in a lot of my drafts early yeah. on, and um, not a lot have panned out with the exception of a of a few guys here and there. Um, so 
that's just something that's been swirling in my my mind. It seems like uh, running back injuries are happening at a much higher rate this year than any year we've seen before. I don't have anything to back that up, but it just feels that way. Yeah, see, I don't play PPR leagues, so I'm doing pretty well. I don't know if PPR leagues has anything to do with it necessarily. Yes, yes it does. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you, you <laughs> hold on to that belief. Uh, I'll convert you someday. Yeah. Don't you also play? You're not a Yahoo person, aren't you? An ESPN person? Uh, like a FanDuel I've been, person? I've been forced to be on Yahoo by a couple, yeah. uh, couple of people. Uh, I really actually prefer the Sleeper app. Um because it's really good for both redraft and also dynasty leagues, which I'm a big fan of. Um, if you haven't gotten in one yet, you should get in one at, at some point in your life. I, if they sponsor, I'll do it. We can get some keep keep name drop until we get some sponsorship money coming in here. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll shout out Sleeper on every podcast I'm awesome. on from now on. See if we can get Hold them on as a sponsor. Them or Yahoo, whichever one comes to us first. I should get some points for my brand loyalty to Yahoo since I was 14. I think I did my first football league. I'll, anyway. I'll uh, shout out to uh, Iowa High School Football, the the radio show I'm on, and uh, just shout out Body Armor Sports Drink a lot. <laughs> the, the, seven, <laughs> the 17 ad reads you have to do at the end of everything? Yeah, I'll do that. All right. So – before we get into some NBA here, just a quick minute on uh, the college football playoff. Uh, so we had the recent rankings come out. Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Oregon up to 3, Ohio State up to 4, Cincinnati still on the outside looking in at 5. I think Michigan at 6 is what surprises me. They're ranked ahead of Michigan State. Yes, I get Michigan State had a bad loss, but Michigan State beat Michigan, so you would expect that 6-7 to seven flip. Oklahoma at number 8, I think getting the big disrespect, even though they're Nine and zero right now. But I feel like if you're a Power Five undefeated team, you should probably be at least in the top five, if not in the rankings ahead of I would say Ohio State. But Oklahoma still has to play Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. So I would say the toughest part of their schedule is ahead of them. The Fighting Irish, who I predicted to maybe steal a spot here in nine, and then Oklahoma State rounds out the top ten. Uh, you a team like Wake Forest lose really drop, Baylor drop, Auburn drop. So I think you're starting to see the field narrow here. Maybe I think you're down to about six or seven real contenders. But anything stand out to you in our second version of the college football poll? Man, do, does the committee even watch Alabama play football? Uh, I think and this is my thing. I think this is so much based on name recognition and, ooh, Alabama's got the name. I think that's why Wake Forest got no respect. Uh, Purdue doesn't really get any respect. UTSA doesn't get any respects. They, they want their big names. They, want, they just want to have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and somehow to sneak Clemson in there if they can. Yeah, it it really feels like they don't like losses don't matter for Alabama. Uh, close wins don't matter over bad teams like LSU don't matter for Alabama because they're simply they're Alabama. Um, you say MSU has a bad loss. I say is it because Purdue is is six and three, uh, and you know if Purdue was named Alabama, they'd be uh, top top eight probably at six and three right so um or if purdue was in the sec they'd be borderline top 10 they'd be up where like a&m is so uh is the committee even watching uh or is there really just an agenda to get two sec teams in every year i i truly question that um Oklahoma being down at eight, I, I get what you're saying. They're nine and zero, oh, but it's it's kind of a question of who have they beat. Um, their best win is maybe Texas. I don't know until they play Baylor. If they beat Baylor this weekend, if they beat Iowa State, if they beat Oklahoma State, if they go twelve and zero. Oh, then I think they're they'll definitely be on the cusp there, but. Um, We'll see how things uh, shake out. Um, there's there's just a lot of bones to pick, and I don't feel like uh, the committee is really doing us any favors. I uh, I almost want to go back to the BCS system with oh. the way some of this has looked. I, I don't know that I want to go that far because I feel like our BCS national championship would get us Georgia, Alabama. This tells me that 
if Alabama beats Georgia and they both end up with one loss, they're both getting in. They're, they're waiting for Alabama to lose again. They're wanting a reason to knock Alabama out. So whether that's Georgia beating them in the SEC championship game, and even then you would need, I think you need Cincinnati undefeated. You would need Oregon, Ohio State, or Oklahoma, or even Notre Dame to look really good. So I could see them saying, well, Alabama is 10 and two or whatever it may be, but you know, Oklahoma's 10 and two, Notre Dame is 10 and two, whatever it may be. So I think if you're comparing a bunch of two lost teams, they're going to actively look for a reason to put Alabama in. So you cheer for Georgia to crush Alabama. You want Cincinnati to stay undefeated. And even though nobody likes Ohio state for the sake of not having two sec teams in there, you need Michigan or Ohio state to be strong. You need the big 12 champion to be strong. You need Notre Dame to look strong just, just for the sake of variety and changing it up. Yeah. And I tell you what though, Ohio state's got what looks like on paper now quite the gauntlet because they play Purdue this weekend. Then they play Ohio, uh, Michigan state, excuse me. And then the game with Michigan, uh, that's kind of a gauntlet to go through for your last three games of the season. So I think if Ohio State wins all three of those, they, uh, they're they making it in. So just because of the amount of good wins that they would then have over some of the other teams that are up here, like uh, Oregon specifically, I'm not sure what good win they have other than beating Ohio State. And they also have a bad loss to a bad Stanford team. So there's a – there's just a lot of things going on here. I personally am rooting for enough chaos so that we can see Cincinnati make it. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I would love to see Cincinnati roll over everybody and get in there and not get in as the four seed, just get fed to Georgia. If Cincinnati can get to the three and at least have a chance, I would love to see that. Um, turning the page here quick to try to stay within our hour, Andrew's basketball corner. We'll think of a more clever name for this segment. But basically, all I know about the NBA in the last week is uh, Nikola Jokic shoved somebody really hard. But a quick look at the standings starting out west, I see that the Warriors are crushing it. Not really surprised there. So your top teams, Warriors, Jazz, Lakers, Nuggets. Okay, that's par for the course. The Mavs and the Grizzlies mixing in there. The Clippers and the Suns kind of hanging out in the middle. The Kings and the Blazers. I don't know that anything really surprises me when I look at the west except for the Mavs being really good. Uh, I see that the Rockets and the Pelicans are both terrible. I thought the Pelicans would at least be kind of a trendy, fun, outside-looking-in playoff pick. Uh, so you, Mr. Baseball diehard, what's what's going on out west that we need to know about? <laughs> um, the Warriors are truly contenders. That's what we need to know about this uh, season. 9-1 and one right now, and looking to get Clay Thompson back and become even more ferocious. Uh, the way that Jordan Poole has just improved, he's taken his game to another level, and he's firmly in line for like a six-man-of-the-year, most most improved kind of conversation. I'd say he's probably the leading candidate for that kind of thing right now. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a sort of surprising. That's not where I thought Golden State would be. I didn't think they'd be up at number one. And you're right, uh, Utah up there, Dallas up there. Um, I'm not super shocked by that. Uh, I thought Luka Doncic and, and the other pieces that they have and the shooting that they have around him, this is kind of where I expected them to be. But I really think we're looking at a Golden State, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Lakers, Mavs, as kind of our, our Western Conference contenders, one of those teams is probably who's going to represent the West in the NBA Finals, I would imagine. Pelicans, are we already jumping ship on the Pelicans? Absolutely. Uh, Zion's been out for the whole season. We don't know when Zion's coming back, and I'm not sure it makes a difference. That team is so broken. Um, they're, not, they're not good at um, much of anything really. And uh, I didn't think they'd be one in 10 at this juncture, but I I didn't think that they would be, I did think that they'd be down near the bottom here. Um, Minnesota um, has looked a little bit improved and I expect kind of as the season goes on, maybe uh, Minnesota swaps in where Sacramento or Portland are right now. 
Have I mentioned uh, that I still hate the current playoff format? I believe you said that before. I personally love it because it gives a little bit of a March Madness feel to the NBA that I, I love with March Madness, that one and done. But feel. does every does every team need to make the playoffs? Do I need the five and seven Charlotte Hornets in the playoffs? Uh, absolutely. Actually, Charlotte Hornets are a really fun team to watch. I don't know if you've watched them. We'll talk about the East here in a second, but uh, they're a fun team to watch. So we absolutely we need Charlotte Toronto in a in a play in game or Charlotte Boston or whoever ends up making it. Well, out there in the Eastern Conference, you've got the Nets, not surprisingly, on top. The Sixers kind of doing what we expected, but we weren't sure with the Ben Simmons and now the Embiid COVID. The Cavaliers at seven and four, the Knicks seven and four, the Heat seven and three, not shocking there. You got the Cavs and the Bulls in the top six. The Wizards, also surprising. Raptors, Hornets kind of doing what we expected. The the Bucks, the Hawks, the Pacers, and the Celtics all being terrible. Pistons and Magic at the bottom, not shocking there. But are we more surprised by the goodness of the Cavaliers, the Bulls, and the Wizards, or the badness of the Bucks, Hawks, and Celtics? Not surprised at what's going on with the Bucks. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, Chris Middleton has missed plenty of time. Brooke Lopez has missed many, plenty of time. DiVincenzo has been hurt. Uh, Drew Holiday is back now, but he's been hurt. So really, uh, if you, I watched the Bucks game just before I got on the air, Bucks Knicks, and the fourth quarter lineup for the Bucks was something like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Jordan Wara, and Drew Holiday. Uh, that's the other than Drew Holiday, uh, you're really running a lot of borderline um, NBA guys. I guess Grayson Allen is a legit NBA guy in my mind, but uh, you really want him coming off the bench and not closing the game for you. Uh, yeah, it's a really it's a really tough time in Milwaukee right now with just because of the injuries. So I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that the bucks are bad. I think come the end of the year, we're going to see them up at the top of the standings or near the top. Um, once they get everybody back healthy, the real surprising thing to me is four and eight Atlanta. That is not something that I expected at all. Um, They've had a little bit of injury stuff going on, but not much. It's really just been more of uh, them underperforming and underachieving um, as well. And I'm not sure what I'm more surprised by: the Wizards being eight and three, or the or the Hawks being four and eight. I I would go out on a limb and say that the Wizards being eight and three is more surprising. I thought they'd be more in this nine ten range where we see Toronto and and Charlotte currently, but I don't expect that to, to last. I don't expect the wizards to stay near the top. When we revisit this at the mid season, I expect this to look totally different. Uh, but it is encouraging, I guess, for wizards fans that uh, their team is at the top with the bulls right now at eight and three. So if you had to make a pick between the warriors or the nets, who's more likely to stay at top their count? Well, the Nets are currently in fourth, as I'm looking at it right now. We've got the Wizards and the Ooh. Bulls at, at two. Uh, Some of us the, look at win totals, not losses. Wins. Wins column. Not losses. Uh, well, I'm, I'm factoring in tonight's results. Um, so the Wizards and the Bulls are currently eight and three. Yes. Uh, the Heat are seven and three. The Nets are eight and four. Um, I would say... To your question, um, who's going to finish higher in their conference? We'll put it that way. I think, personally, I think I'll take the Warriors to finish higher in their conference than the Nets finish. I think at some point in this season, we're going to get a few games where KD or Harden rest or they take a couple of nights off. But the Warriors have kind of been full go right out of the gate, and I expect them to continue to be that and – they're going to even add to that when Clay Thompson comes back. A report actually just dropped today that Clay Thompson may be coming back before Christmas, which is really encouraging news for the Warriors fans. I hope he's not rushing back. I hope he's truly fully healthy and ready to go. Um, but 
we'll, we'll see about that. And I think the internal improvement, and then you add Clay Thompson to that roster, the Warriors are going to end up higher than the Nets. I saw a fantastic Instagram post today, and it was the last time Clay Thompson played a regular season game. It was like Anthony Davis was still a Pelican. Kawhi Leonard was still a Raptor. Like all the guys who were with the Nets were on different teams. Jimmy Butler was still a Philadelphia 76er. I thought it was fantastic. Hmm. Also, yeah, Kyrie, do we still still know Kyrie for the Nets. Do we know what's going on there? Because I've paid 0% attention. I'm just looking to see has not really played a minute for them. Still no Kyrie. Um, we don't have any good update. I don't think Kyrie is planning on getting vaccinated. And I don't think the NBA or the Nets really are willing to work with him on that. So I that's another factor as well is I think uh, the Nets kind of need Kyrie back at some point to truly compete and win this thing. It's working right now. It's looking good with Harden and KD and LaMarcus Aldridge having a little bit of a resurgence right now. But at some point, they're going to need that third playmaker, and uh, that's Kyrie, to help Speak. guide them and navigate through the midseason slog. So, And I don't think they're going to have that. Speaking of fountain of youth, did DeMar DeRozan fall into a fountain of youth in Lake Michigan? He's fourth in the league in scoring right now for the Bulls. Zach Levine is sixth both for the Bulls, averaging 26-plus. Yeah, it's uh... – the Bulls are a fun and exciting team to watch. I don't know um, what kind of channel package you've got, but obviously I've got NBA League Pass, so I'm watching a lot of these teams every night that they're on. And uh, the Bulls are a fun and exciting team, and uh, it really it really works. Uh, the system that they have really works in Darrelson's favor, and they run a lot of good plays for him, and – it's really encouraging to see because I think uh, Billy Donovan has some just really good stuff schemed up. And when you put DeMar DeRozan around a bunch of guys that can shoot um, like Levine, like Lonzo Ball, who's even improved from three and he can just operate in that mid range area and get to the free throw line a lot. He's going to put up big numbers. I I don't expect him to average 27 points for the whole season, but I do expect him to be around that 25 mark. And a lot of that is also because of the lack of depth that the Bulls have. DeRozan's going to have to play 37, 38 minutes a game, and so that's going to lend itself to uh, plenty of points being put up by him. Well, good for him. I'm a Billy Donovan fan, so go Bulls. A couple – couple quick hitters before we get out of here. Uh, UFC 268, a pretty good card. I was going to go see it, and then I felt like I was on death's doorstep Saturday night, so I did not make it. But Justin Gaethje beating Michael Chandler in a great fight. Marlon Vera taking out Frankie Edgar. We picked that one. Kamaru Usman defeating Colby Covington in the unanimous decision. And not a surprising finish, but still a pretty good fight between the two of them. I think probably the most surprising was Rose Nami Yunus defending the women's strawweight title over uh, Weili Zhang. Uh, split decision there, so probably going to have a trilogy fight even though Rose won the first two. I expect a third one down the line. Two of the four or five best women's fighters on the planet going head-to-head. So a fantastic fight between the two of them. Congratulations to Thug Rose for defending her title, and congratulations to all the fighters on a fantastic card. It's a big card. I want to say something like 15 fights, 16 fights here on the entire day if you watch the prelims and the early card. So UFC 268, I know, Andrew, we're trying to get you more into the UFC card, but if you watch this one, I'll forgive you if you were busy yeah. with football. Yeah, no, I was, absolutely. I uh, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings with a friend of mine, and we posted up and watched a little bit of the prelims. I was more focused on the Iowa game during the prelims. But uh, once the main card started, I was I was pretty much all in on the main card. I had a couple of parlays that didn't get work out. Uh, didn't work out in my favor. I was really uh, expecting a little more out of Frankie Edgar. I was expecting him to pull away with that. Um, cool. But, uh, yeah, I should have listened to you on Cheeto Vera. I wanted to be 
you know, I don't like it when I parlay a bunch of picks and I've got all favorites. I never feel good about that. I always gotta gotta pick one underdog. Right. Um and I guess my one underdog was Rose. I did pick Rose to win, but I was also um really risking it out there with uh Frankie Edgar and then that that kick to the face that was just brutal. Um anyways, uh Usman, I'm not surprised at all. He's pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the UFC that we've probably ever seen. Um, I'm not going to say he's the best. I'm not going to go out on that limb, but I think in his weight class, he's probably one of the best we've absolutely ever seen. And yeah, I think um, I've watched a few fight cards in the past two years or so. And I think this is probably uh, one of the best ones that I can remember in the past two years or so. Yeah. He's getting up there. GSP was, He's probably one of the three best fighters of all time. I think he had nine or ten fight defenses at welterweight. Kamara is only at five right now, but he's definitely up there. I think it's the two of them and then everybody else in that division. But the way Usman's going, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. You're definitely right. He's up there on that Mount Rushmore of the all-time greats. Uh, looking ahead, not a UFC card this weekend, but a fun one. Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez and the headliner. Give me Max Holloway. I think other than Volkanovski, he's the best featherweight on the planet still, so I will take him to win as well. And then if you want to throw another one on top of that, give me Song Yadong to also win his bantamweight fight. So there's your quick UFC pick for the upcoming weekend. Awesome. I, I love watching Max Holloway. And, yeah, I think you're spot on. It's going to be uh, Max winning that main event there. The, he's like 6'2 and 140 pounds. It's a weird physical. I don't know how he does it. Uh, yeah. I'll, Speaking of champions, we crowned our UFC champion, Kyle Larson, quite the odyssey he's had for the last year and a half, but congratulations to him for winning the NASCAR title. I don't really love or hate Kyle Larson. He's just kind of there for me, but uh, congratulations to him for winning it. And NHL fans, I promise one of these weeks we'll actually do a deep dive on NHL. I need to get a good NHL expert on here. Like I kind of pay attention, but I can't really tell you X's and O's, but just kind of a quick synopsis of our standings. I refuse to ever believe the Panthers are good, despite what other people tell me. They're leading the East. Not real shocking. The Rangers, Capitals, uh, Maple Leafs all mixing in there. Tampa Bay a little bit disappointing right now, but I think you really have to be disappointed in the Bruins, the Penguins, and the Canadiens all down at the bottom. Sabres are at the bottom because, of course, they are. Out West, the Oilers finally doing it. Are they finally going to live up to all these high draft picks and all the talent they have? They have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid and they actually look to be really good. Nine and two is a recording this leading to Weston points. The blues are going to do blues things. They're in contention. The flames and the ducks kind of surprising back in out to the wild. And there's well, three teams that are off to hot starts. You maybe don't always expect the sharks, uh, the Kings and the Knights kind of floating in the middle, along with the predators. I expect the three of those teams to get hot. The stars continuing to disappoint me, but the avalanche and the Blackhawks way down there at the bottom. I think those are the two teams you really have to be disappointed in to start the Western Conference. We'll see if one of them catch fire. Too much talent there to not make a deeper run. And the Seattle Kraken, the newest team in big four sports, they are 4-8-1. and one, So got some wins in their inaugural season. I'm hearing people in the Pacific Northwest hoping that the Kraken can have a Vegas Golden Knights-esque first year. Don't quite see that happening for them, but... A lot of hockey to go, kind of like Andrew and his basketball. There's all kinds of hockey left to be played. We are basically a dozen games into a season that's going to take about five times as long. But put your, put your money on the Oilers. Take that for some early if you can get a good bet on that. The Oilers are ju- too talented to not win more, so maybe they finally get to the mountaintop this year. But a lot of surprise teams, both good and bad. And it's fun to see when you get different teams like the Panthers and the Hurricanes or the Flames or the Wild who are – but we're kind of used to the Lightning and the Penguins and the Bruins, but let's get some new blood in there for the NHL fans. Anything on NASCAR, NHL, UFC for you, or anything else on your sports calendar before we duck out of here? Um, nothing uh, nothing major on my sports calendar. Those are really the main ones. I mean, uh, college basketball has begun, so I'll, I'll watch plenty of college basketball as well. Um Wanted to give a quick shout out. I'm actually going to be into like women's college basketball this year. I watched uh, the Iowa women play on a Tuesday night last night, and they're just a really fun team to watch. And so is the Iowa men's team. Both teams get up and down and are going to score a lot of points this season. Um, so I think uh, we've got a really great player in Caitlin Clark and uh, 
to anyone listening in Iowa, you should probably go to uh, Iowa City and watch Caitlin Clark while you still can. Um, watch Keegan Murray while you still can. Uh, both of those, both of those uh, players could be in professional leagues at this time next year. So. I will, I will support you on the hooray for college basketball, both men's and women's. I just won't support you on your endorsement of Iowa Hawkeyes, anything. Yeah, I, I figured that's where you would be. Um, but truly, watch uh, Caitlin Clark. I think she is one of the best women's basketball players. We've for sure the best women's basketball player in uh, Iowa history, but uh, one of the better ones that we've seen in women's college basketball overall, too, I think. Um, Keegan Murray, uh, he looks like a bona fide first round pick. Uh, so he might be fun to watch. I know you don't like the Iowa Hawkeyes, but uh, if you do like watching someone that is pretty talented and pretty fun to watch and plays the game with a lot of energy and a lot of effort, um, which you kind of impressed me as I like the old school basketball kind of guy. He's kind of a throwback to that old school plays with a lot of hustle, a lot of heart, but also has a smooth aspect to his game too. So if you want to tune in and watch him, uh, feel free to do so. Excellent. Good and good endorsement. So we're going to call that a show and thank you all for joining us this week. We'll be back next Thursday night trying to figure out our show schedule. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do. We're due for trivia episodes. May have that coming in one of the next two weeks. Thank you all for joining us on episode 34 of the Sports Gospel. We will see you next time.